at uh, like 9.30 this morning, Debbie shared her Bible impact. And honestly, if you just want to come share it again for the sermon, it's like perfectly in line. Um, you're talking about your grandmother and how, how much of a prayer warrior she was, which aligns up perfectly with uh, my message today as you will come to see. You read my mind. It was perfect timing. I did not know what you were going to talk about. I mean, you didn't know what I was going to talk about, but God knew what we were both talking about. And he made it work out together, which was just great. Um, have you guys ever ordered something off the internet? Um, and it didn't, and didn't turn out to be what you thought it was, right? If something was a little off about it. Well, I have done that, uh, mostly with clothes and shoes where I've, uh, I've ordered something and I guess there, it didn't fit quite right. Maybe it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be, but I have had nowhere near as bad experiences as some of the people on the internet, the collective internet has had very funny and bad experiences with online ordering where what they got was not what they expected. So allow me to entertain you for just a couple minutes while I share with you some of the biggest plunders of the internet. Uh, so the number one is this cute dinosaur pillowcase off of Amazon, right? So they're like, oh, this is going to be great for my kid. When they got it, it was actually the pillowcase of that kid printed onto a pillowcase. So it's, it's just a print of the kid sleeping with a dinosaur pillowcase on a pillowcase. Just crazy. Uh, there's a whole section here about pillows. You wouldn't believe it, but there's a whole section about pillows. Number two is this boyfriend thought he was going to be really sweet um, and give his girlfriend a pillow with his face on it to remind her of his love and affection while he was at university. And, and this is how it turned out. <laughs> it's like it's like if Mr. Potato Head really came to life. That's what it, it'd be terrifying. It puts this horrifying image in your head. And someone else thought this was a good idea. This poor aunt, uh, very loving, I'm sure, thought her nephew's faces would make good pillows. Guess what? They didn't. Um, <laughs> the the one on the right, it's just there's a darkness in the eyes that's disturbing. I <laughs> anyway. Uh, the, another example here. Have you guys ever heard of Yeezys? Adidas, Yeezys, Yeezys. They're nice shoes. Very popular. Uh, so they were selling these on eBay, um, and the person obviously bought these thinking that they were going to get these nice shoes. Guess what? This is what they got. <laughs> I don't know what those are. Well, they are not what's in that picture. I hopefully they got their money back. Oh, they didn't spend $750 on Yeezy slippers. That would be a shame. Um, so coming up as well, we have another shoe plunder, um, blunder rather. They thought they were going to get these nice fashionable, even fashion on them shoes. This is the monstrosity that showed up. <laughs> it's not, I just, who was putting those together and thought, yeah, this is what someone wants. Yeah. This is what we're going to send them. Prove it. It's, it's, it's on. It's working. I just maybe am uh, talking away from it. So it, it, it gets worse. Uh, someone ordered off of, off of eBay a chainsaw, and that's exactly what they got. It was a saw. It was a chain. I mean, technically, he bought exactly what he ordered, just not what he was expecting. Uh, this person thought they were going to have a nice um, knitted blanket. 
you know, like to cuddle with their family with like this picture. What showed up was just a bunch of yarn. It wasn't even enough to make a blanket. I don't know what they were thinking. Um, the next set of examples here are uh, things that were misproportioned uh, from the expectations. First is the giant dustpan, <laughs> which honestly, I want that for my garage because it would be nice, but obviously they did not want that for their kitchen dustpan. It's like three feet wide or something. Uh, this poor guy, uh, next guy, I thought he was ordering a three-foot deep swimming pool, like a, one of those inflatable ones. As you fill with water, it kind of floats. Well, he did get a three-foot swimming pool. It's just three feet wide. Uh, <laughs> this picture literally three feet fit in it, ironically. Uh, this next lady thought she was ordering herself a nice chair off of Amazon. Uh, it turns out it was only like four inches tall. <laughs> Obviously, uh, maybe a toad could sit in it. I, I'm trying to think. Maybe a dollhouse. I, but obviously, she's not going to be using it. Uh, and the last lady ordered a face mask, like one of those cleansing like charcoal face masks for herself. But it turns out it would probably be better suited for a cat. Uh, it was very small. Sometimes we, we don't get what we expect, right? And the same is true for the very man that we're going to be looking at today in the Bible. We're continuing our series on prayer. Um, his situation ended up a little more poorly than these, but we'll get there. So the uh, example we're going to be looking at today, and you'll see how this connects in a minute, is uh, King Hezekiah, the king of Judah. If you would, uh, please turn with me to Second Kings, and we're going to be in chapters 18 and 19 today. So like the unfortunate examples we looked at earlier, uh, Hezekiah received some mail that he wasn't expecting, Granted, Hezekiah didn't have Amazon at the time, but he did receive a messenger, which is the equivalent of mail or email or whatever delivery service you want to uh, proxy in USPS or whatever. So he, he did get a messenger, and this is how the story goes. Uh, so King Hezekiah uh, took his position at the beginning, at the chapter 18, uh, at the beginning of chapter 18. That's when Hezekiah takes his seat on the throne. And he is the king of the southern kingdom of Judah. So at this point in history, in Israel's history, um, Israel had split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom, which is Israel, the southern kingdom, which is Judah. So Hezekiah is the king of the southern kingdom. And Hezekiah is a really good king, one of the best kings that they've had in a long time. He uh, removed the high places. He removed the sacred uh, stones. He cut down the Asherah poles. He removed these forms of idolatry at the beginning of chapter 8, and that's what it records. I removed these forms of idolatry in Judah. So he was following God like a good king should. And then the big, bad Assyrian army shows up on the block. All right? It's like, uh, what's the redhead's name from uh, A Christmas Story? The one that grits... No, the one who grits his teeth. Or, what is it? Yeah, the bully. What's his name? <laughs> yeah, Curtis. Fergus. Yeah, that's like, and it's just gross. It's like Fergus. Um, the Assyrian Empire was actually much more cruel than him. Uh, they would, like, kill people and hang them at the city gates and all kinds of terrible stuff. So the Assyrian Empire shows up. Um, and they end up conquering the northern kingdom of Israel. And a few years later, that's recorded there in chapter 18 as well, and a few years later, the Assyrian Empire turns its sights on Judah. Every time I say Assyrian, it 
my iPad thinks I'm saying Siri. <laughs> probably recording our whole conversation right now. Siri's like, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're trying to do. I'm like, well, you should preach for me. So the Assyrian Empire turns its sights on the southern kingdom of Judah. And uh, so Hezekiah preemptively sends a message to King Sennacherib, which is the king of Assyria. Look at verse 14 with me. Uh, 2 Kings 18, verse 14. Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Withdraw from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will bear. So the king of Assyria required of Hezekiah of Judah 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. Hezekiah gave him all the silver which was found in the house of the Lord and in the, and in the treasuries of the king's house. And at that time, Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the doorposts which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. So to use our example this morning, this is Hezekiah's equivalent to placing his order on Amazon for like a nice pair of Yeezys or something like that, right? So he's like, I have given this delegation and what I'm expecting is for King Sennacherib to deliver Yeezys, right? I want him to just say, okay, all's good. You paid your price. You paid your tribute. Everything is dandy. We're going to leave you alone. But that is not what happened. He did not get what he ordered. Look at uh, verse 28. This is King Hezekiah's, or King Sennacherib's response to Hezekiah. After he sent him a bunch of money, after he uh, apologized, and he uh, sucked up to the king of Assyria, this is what happens. Look at verse 28. Then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew, Hear the word of the great king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. So this guy is just like shouting into the city. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you from my hand. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hands of king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then each of you will eat fruit from your own vine and fig tree and drink water from your own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey. Choose life and not death. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Has the God of any nation ever delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Serevaim, Hena, and Eva? I practiced Serevaim like 20 times this morning, <laughs> just so I could say it right then. Have the rescued Sumerian, have they rescued Samaria out of my hand? Verse 35. Who of all the gods of these countries have been able to save his land from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? So King Sennacherib thinks he's a big deal, obviously. And they had conquered a lot of people. I mean, at this point in the story, they have conquered every fortified city in Judah except Jerusalem. So Hezekiah is getting pretty worried. And Hezekiah 
sees this and he's like, what's going on? You know, like, I sent you a bunch of money. I apologized. I said, like, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. And then all of a sudden, King Sennacherib's like, ah, never mind. I'm going to come and take your cities anyway. So imagine being in Hezekiah's shoes for a second. The most powerful army in your region, as far as you know of in the world, has declared war against you. You've lost all your fortified cities, and now they're coming for your capital. You've tried bribing them, and that didn't work. What would you do if you were Hezekiah? Would you pay King Sennacherib another tribute and become a subject, and hopefully he'll leave you alone? Would you wait out his army in a siege battle that would undoubtedly lead to most of your people in the city dying of dehydration, starvation, or disease? Would you risk it all and preemptively attack Sennacherib in hopes that you could fend off his army and, and stop the advance towards your capital, knowing that pretty much all of your soldiers would die in the process? Like, what, what would you do if you were Hezekiah facing this difficult situation? So in chapter 19... King Sennacherib sends Hezekiah one more message, and he pretty much just repeats his threats from before. He says, you can do nothing against my army. Your God isn't going to help you. All of your people are going to die unless you bow down to me and give me your kingdom. This time, what does Hezekiah do? Last time, he did his own thing. This time, he brings a problem to the only one who has the power to do anything about it. God, look at 2 Kings 19, verse 14 here. This is the record of Hezekiah's prayer that he prayed when he was threatened by King Sennacherib. Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it, and he went up to the house of the Lord, and he spread it out before the Lord. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, who are enthroned above the cherubim, You are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and listen to the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach reproach the living God. Truly, O Lord, the king of Assyria has devastated the nations and their lands, and has cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but the works of men's hands, wood and stone. So they have destroyed them. Now, O Lord, our God, I pray, deliver us from his hands that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. So instead of trying to bribe him again or waiting for an attack or going to fight the king head on, Hezekiah brings his problems to God in prayer. Praying to the living God is what Hezekiah leans on when he faces an impossible problem. And guess what? God listens. At night, that night, while the Assyrian army is sleeping, an angel of the Lord comes and strikes down 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. And can you imagine waking up to that? Let's say you're camped out and your buddy's next to you and you're just like drinking and having a good time. You're like, oh, we're totally going to take over Jerusalem. It's going to be great. And you wake up and 185,000 of your comrades are dead. What would you do? Reasonably, what they did, which is pack up camp, turn tail and head home, right? If you wake up and your army is decimated, you go away because something obviously isn't working in your favor. 
God was against them because Hezekiah trusted in him. And I think this brings a new perspective to the term prayer warrior, right? Let God fight your battles. And I want you to notice a few really important things about Hezekiah's prayer. Something that we can take away here. Number one, start your prayers with praise. Okay? I think this is a really important lesson for us to learn. And we can use it in our prayers as well. At the beginning of Hezekiah's prayer, he starts out by saying things like, The God of Israel enthroned between the cherubim or above the cherubim. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. So he starts out by putting God in his position, which is above everything else. And realizing that. And that really sets the mindset and the tone for the conversation. We aren't just having a casual conversation with the cashier about the weather. right? We are talking to the living God, creator of the universe, the singular being who holds all power and knowledge and eternal life. right? That's who we're talking to when we pray. And that's what Hezekiah recognizes. So when we come to pray, remember that. Start with praise. Start by glorifying God. Number two. Pray in such a way that you acknowledge that God is actually bigger than your trouble. He's bigger than any of the problems you may face. When Hezekiah was faced with a way bigger problem than any of us face, he still knew that God was big enough to take care of it. And that's made evident by the fact that Hezekiah took it to him in the first place. If he didn't believe God could do anything, why wouldn't he try something else first? Like, why didn't he send his army out? Why didn't he just wait out the siege and see what happened? No, he's like... The only way out of this is with God. He he knew that God was bigger than his problems. And number three, this is kind of the reverse lesson, not what to do with Hezekiah. We should bring our troubles before God first. Hezekiah, when Sennacherib first threatened him, just gave him a bunch of money and said, here, let me figure it out how I can do it. We'll give him the gold and the silver out of the temple. We'll... uh, ransack the temple for all that it's worth and we'll pay Sennacherib and hopefully that takes care of it. Well, where did that get him? Nowhere but deeper in debt. Right? You load 16 tons and what do you get? <laughs> yeah. It got nowhere but deeper in debt and he was no closer to being saved from the Assyrian army. Right? We need to learn this lesson from Hezekiah before we mess it up in our lives. We probably have already learned this lesson, but we need to remember it. Bring your trouble to God first. Don't be like Hezekiah. Skip the whole trying to figure it out yourself step. Because it's like when you try to do something without reading the manual and you're like halfway through and you realize, I've done that with Ikea furniture, probably like every piece of Ikea furniture I've put together. I like realize one board is like flipped over and I have to disassemble the whole thing and then flip that one board over and put it back together and it frustrates me like crazy. But then I'm like, it's my own stupid fault because I didn't do the first thing first. We should do the first thing first and always bring our troubles to God. So as we kind of come to a close this morning, I think it's natural for us to actually put into practice what we're studying, which is prayer. So uh, can I get a few helpers, Cam? Anybody else want to pass out some papers? We usually have kids in here, but they're all doing summer fun days. Wow. Like father-son team here, taking on the world. Hey, blessings. If you want to, uh, if you need a pen to write, 
Raise your hands. Blessings will come and bring you one. He will bless you with a pen. Tanner Bormas calls blessings bless bless, which I just think is the cutest thing. <laughs> so, on, yeah, blessings might not appreciate it, but I do. Everybody else uh, calls them blessings, but I want to call them bless bless from now on. Uh, you may notice on this paper on the front side uh, is a list of prayer warriors. All right, so Hezekiah by no means is the only person who has a prayer recorded in Scripture. There are a lot of people who have prayed to God. A lot of people who have brought their troubles to God. And on the back side, you'll see a list of uh, the major points that we learned from Hezekiah's prayer this morning, as well as some lines uh, where you can write your own prayer, where you can actually take some time to meditate. So what we're going to be doing for just a few minutes this morning uh, is whatever you feel like is going to be most beneficial to you. It's not every day that we get an opportunity built into our lives to pray and read and meditate. Um, as Debbie has pointed out this morning to us during her Bible impact, this is a very important part of our life. Right? And if we neglect it, then we don't spiritually grow. So this morning, however you see the most fit, you can either read a prayer from one of the prayer warriors listed out there. You can write your own prayer following the same methods. Maybe you're facing trouble right now. There's something big in your life that needs to be handled. You can follow Hezekiah's prayer kind of format and write your own prayer to God to try to handle that. Whatever you feel like this time... It's going to be most beneficial for you. Whatever the case, I want you to meditate, pray, think about God, pray to God, and be with him. So your time starts now, and uh, I'll be back up here in a few minutes.
hoping you found that a little bit of time just refreshing to just sit and pray and read. And I, I hope it made an impact on you. So as we kind of close out this morning, I want us to remember to pray like Hezekiah, to, to give God the glory that he deserves, to bring our problems to him, to realize he's bigger than our problems. So let's collectively spend some time now praying together uh, before we finish the service here. God, I, I just thank you for the opportunity to come together as a family that you have put together as this amazing planner and shepherd and father you have brought us here. We just thank you for your immense power and glory and your love that you give us. I just pray that you fill our hearts with the desire to pray and to understand who you are and to build a relationship with you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.